welcome to the WCAT podcast. I'm Jack Hunter, joined alongside by Riley O'Neill, and we have a very special guest with us for episode two of WCAT Chats today. Member of the class of 2016, state champion, kicker, and punter, and now a part of the NFL. Welcome Blake Gillikin to the podcast. Blake, how you doing today? Pretty good. How about you guys? Thanks for having me. We're doing all right. So uh, we got a lot to get into, but first, uh, first in the notable news, you recently signed a contract with the New Orleans Saints after graduating from Penn State recently. So can you tell us what this last few days and especially kind of going up to draft day and signing that contract with New Orleans was like? Yeah, it's really a lot of uncertainty, um, especially surrounding my position. Um, luckily, I had, I had Harrison that I could talk to going through this a couple of years before me, but there's really only 32 jobs for what I do. So um, it's really going about looking with my agent, uh, my family, looking at teams to target, um, which teams might need a punter, which teams might be looking. So leading up to the draft, there was a lot of that. And then obviously being in touch with teams and, and kind of gauging their interests as well. So um, once we got to the, the day three of the draft where things start to pick up, um, we were, we were kind of knew where we were at and, and obviously, um, just thankful to be picked up by a great organization. A lot of people in Atlanta probably don't like the fact that, that I'm now a saint, but, um, I'm just blessed to be in this position and, and maybe one day end up back in Atlanta. I originally, I was a little concerned about it, but then it works perfectly for Falcons fans because now we have even more of a reason to cheer for the saints <laughs> to punt and, and go three and out. And, and punt. So I think, I think yeah. it's a great thing. That's what I tell people when they – I mean, I, I got a bunch of texts from, from Falcons fans, like, telling me, go Falcons, go Birds, all this stuff. And I was like, look, if, if I'm on the field, then that means that the Falcons do pretty good. So um, you hit it around the, around the head there. Yeah, exactly. And, Blake, what did, uh, what did New Orleans tell you about what's to come? Obviously, the Saints aren't doing any offseason stuff because of uh, the coronavirus, according to Sean Payton. So how do you think that's going to impact you in the next coming months? Yeah, it's probably not going to change what I do a lot. Um, I've been working out at home and, and finding field space around, around the city. So um, it hasn't really been a big change for me. Uh, we actually have had a couple meetings throughout um, this past week and then some meetings this upcoming week. But um, like you said, a lot of teams are taking the opportunity to do like um, almost like Zoom workouts with each other. So um, Coach Payton's are really, really gracious to the team and basically is telling the guys to, to focus on their families in this time, which is um, really a first-class move uh, from a first-class coach. So just really excited to, to continue my training here in Atlanta, um, especially with a home now. So um, come late July, hopefully things open back up and um, we can get to training camp. And have you had a chance to talk with Thomas Morstead yet? He's been with the Saints for about a decade now, and you're now right behind him in the depth chart. So have you guys had a chance to catch up and – and learn anything from him yet? Yeah, we haven't really been in contact yet. Um, I actually know the kicker, Will Lutz. Um, used to train with him in Atlanta for, for a little bit when, when I was younger. So um, obviously a pretty big age difference. Um, so I, I don't remember it as, as well as I, I might if it was recent. But um, he reached out to me after the draft and congratulate me and welcome me to, to the Saints and stuff. Um, so kind of having that connection has been great. And, and – like you said, just being familiar with the guys is, is going to be a big time because I know the, the assistant special teams coach from my time at Penn State, he was actually my coach for a year. Um, so just being able to bounce ideas off him and also very familiar with the special teams coordinator. Um, actually went to school with both of his daughters. So 
I'm up in Penn State. So it's been really great. I'm just getting to know those guys the last week and hopefully build that relationship even more. So you talked about uh, a few days kind of leading up to draft day, but, uh, you know, your pro day got canceled and kind of when this whole coronavirus thing hit in March, that's kind of the prime time for the combine and everything and when teams are really looking. So how did that change your preparation, uh, having to go virtual, uh, basically, and not being able to kind of talk in person with teams? Yeah, it was really, really difficult. Um, I wasn't the only one going through it because probably 80% of the pro days got canceled. Um, and the other big thing is, is private workouts that, that teams will come in and put you through and then local days that you can go and, and talk to or talk to teams and then work out for them at their facilities. So that was a really big hit for a lot of people, um, not being able to kind of showcase themselves and um, extend themselves to more teams. But uh, with, with those changes, I kind of had to go virtual, like you said, and me and my agent put together a virtual pro day and we put together highlight films and stuff and send out the teams. Um, just really use every connection I could um, to kind of get in front of them and, and show them what I could do and what I had done and what I could do for the team. Blake, you talked about some of the other guys you know already in New Orleans, but you're joining Lincoln back up with two former teammates, Tommy Stevens, Jawan Johnson from Penn State. Are you looking forward to, to teaming back up with those guys? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, both those guys actually transferred out um, for their fifth year, so I um, haven't seen them in a year. And it's, it's going to be great to kind of link back up with them. Um, me and Tommy were really close. He's actually um, one of the guys that during my freshman fall camp um, kind of started off rough competing for the punting job, kind of a new um, new system, obviously getting into college as a freshman. Um, and he was the one guy that came over to me and kind of encouraged me um, and really turned my, my fall training camp around. So, um He's a good friend of mine and, and really looking forward to, to spending more time with him and Jawan and then obviously meeting my new teammates in New Orleans and, and getting started in training camp. So speaking of those new teammates, it's, it's okay to admit to us, are you going to be any starstruck when you go to New Orleans and you've got the big faces and big names <laughs> around you? Um, I mean, obviously, um, going down there, it's, it's, it's now my job, so um, – there, there might be some of that. Obviously, Drew Brees is, is kind of a god in the, in the football world and had a great, illustrious career, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, but I think it's just a great opportunity to learn from guys who, who have been in this position for so long and not only um, had success on the field, but um, made an impact in the community and um, obviously raised great families and, and doing great things. Um, in terms of outreach and stuff like that, you've seen it with Harrison and, and Kansas City, and um, just having that kind of those kind of resources on a team, the guys that are veterans, um, is something that you can really tap into and, and can be really impactful for a young guy, young, young rookie. So rewind the clock a few years back to your Westminster days before we kind of hit on the the pinnacle of of your Westminster career. So let's first start. How did you begin kicking, and what was your uh, first interaction with Coach Terniolo? Wow. Um, when I began kicking, that was a long time ago. Um, probably, that's probably 12 years ago I started kicking. Um, whenever I started playing football was when um, I was just the guy who could somehow kick the ball farther than anybody else. So that's kind of how they chose kickers back then. And I never really took it seriously until um, probably my freshman year of high school. 
I really want to be a field goal kicker, to be honest with you, because um, I love scoring points. thought that was pretty cool. Um, but then, obviously, I had great kickers during my time in high school, so um, was really not called upon to do those things until my senior year. Um, and then getting to varsity as a sophomore, meeting Coach Sterniolo, um, had to start as a punter. So, and that's kind of when I started to, started to take that up and started to really fall in love with punting. Um, just the kind of the intricacies and, and the difficulty that came with it. Um, so kind of just took that and ran with it and obviously was able to improve to the point where um, got some interest from colleges and just really fortunate to, to have a coach and Coach Sterniolo that pushed me throughout my, throughout my high school career and then obviously stayed in touch with me throughout um, just being supportive. And um, any of the guys that, that left and went to college would, would say the same. Um, I know he had great relationship with, with Harrison, and I continue to have a great relationship with him. Um, actually, I had lunch with him back um, in February, I believe. So um, just really, really special to have someone like him at school. Um, and I could tell you stories for days about him. <laughs> and around what age did you realize you really had the, uh, the talent to make it to the next level? I'm not sure if I ever really realized it. Uh, I think my dad always tells me a story of, of Coach Wild coming to him after um, sophomore year training camp um, down in Vero Beach. What an experience. I have to start with that. But, um, and he, he told my dad that he thought, he thought I had a legitimate shot to, to play at the next level. I might have really believed that. And I think once, that, once I played my junior season um, and then went to a national kicking competition and, and kind of figured out that, that I belonged with, the, with some of the top guys in the country, um, and then really thankful to just um, get some opportunities to play in college. A lot of guys are good enough and then just don't have the exposure, don't have the connections to get those opportunities. So um, another guy that I'm really thankful for is Coach Wild and, and the connections he has and the relationships he's built over the years. So you mentioned about your uh, current relationship with Harrison Bucker, but Bucker being a few years older than you, class of 2013, what was your relationship like when you were in high school and he was kind of in the the tail end of his high school career yeah we were we I mean um I was a kicker on the ninth grade team and he was a kicker on varsity going to Georgia Tech and um, we played the same position on the soccer team I was clearly his backup as a freshman um and he was obviously the star so um it was it was great being able to use him as a role model a lot of guys did and, and coach Snyder still tells stories to this day about him and kind of the, the leadership that he that he brought to the table and the example that he set. So it wasn't we had a, a, a super intimate relationship in high school, um, but just being able to have someone like that um, as I was getting older and as I was kind of being molded. And I think it was really great to um, obviously know him back then and then continue out that relationship until now. Um, we had a great talk with him earlier on in this process for a while on the phone um, and just got a bunch of great insight about the process. And it's just really valuable to have a guy in that position um, that I can look up to. So 2015 wasn't your first uh, rodeo with the state championship. Uh, ninth grade winning the soccer state championship as Harrison Bucker's backup. What, what was that experience like for you and how did that help you transition to kind of winning the state championship in football in 2015? <laughs> Yeah, that um, the run they went on was pretty incredible. 
Um, as a freshman, I was fortunate enough to travel with the team um, after playing with JV early in the season. So um, I still remember perfectly um, how he scored the, the goal in the state championship in, I believe, it's 2013. Um, and his celebration running by the bench, uh, I'll never forget that. And then, obviously, the, the, the rivalry going on in soccer with Calhoun after that. Uh, and then meeting them in the, the semifinals of the, of the state playoffs in football. Um, I think just watching him and how he led really helped um, some of those guys as we, we took it down the road with soccer. And then especially with the, the 2015 um, football state championship, I mean, the, the soccer team wasn't really underdogs often, um, but I think the football team, we were epitome of the, the underdog and um, just being able to obviously take that mentality on the road and um, with, with a great group of seniors and obviously great support staff um, or great supporting cast um, with, with our juniors and sophomores and, and some freshmen even. So um, I think just having that experience is really special for me and to get it in football, probably not the sport that I expected to win a state championship in, um, but I, I'll, I'll cherish that day and that those couple moments for the rest of my life for sure. So, Blake, going from your established high school career where you won multiple state championships and you set all kinds of Westminster records and then you went on to be a starter at Penn State for four years, I'm interested because I think we'll have a, a lot of listeners who are currently playing in high school or off to play at college, maybe Division One. So what would you say is the biggest difference between high school and college ball that you saw? And what advice would you give to those athletes going to the next level? Yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, I think – a lot of guys like to say that the pace of play is different, which is true. I'm not sure I really experienced that um, for my position, but I, I'd say the biggest transition for, for me and a lot of guys is, is managing your time once you're living on your own, because what tends to happen is when you're at home with your parents and you're in high school, um, you basically have your routine where um, they drop, either you drive yourself or you drop, you get dropped off at school. You go to school, class, then you go to practice, come home, they make dinner, do your homework, go to bed. Um, and college is a lot different. Um, of course, you have that kind of schedule, but um, you're pretty much accountable for everything. So um, if you want to stay up till 3 a.m. playing video games, no one's stopping you, no one's yelling at you to, to stop. But um, in reality, you have a 7 a.m. practice the next morning. So if you show up to that tired, um, you might not get a shot on the field. So I'd probably say that's, that's the biggest transition. And I think the thing about Westminster is it prepares you to kind of tackle those challenges. And um, on top of succeeding in the classroom, just be able to manage your time in an effective way. So um, nothing to really panic about or anything like that, but it's just um, kind of a form of discipline that, that you need to deal with once you get to college. So before we kind of get into that, the state championship game itself, one of the most historic Westminster football games of all time, a lot of people forget about the playoff run going up to the state championship, you know, playing four straight road, playing four straight road games to get to the state championship. Uh, can you just kind of talk about generally the long road trips, the adversity, the atmospheres, you know, just kind of the experience that that was? Yeah, I, just got, I kind of got chills you talking about it. Um, yeah, I've, I've thought about that. I mean, my, my family um, had a conversation at our dinner table like a week ago about that. Um, I remember it started 
um, in southeast Georgia, southeast Bullock. And um, didn't really know what to expect going down there. I know we, we took care of business in the game, but but Zay slept on my shoulder the whole way back. I see Coach Searle just commented, Juice. Yeah, Juice was there. They, they always wanted to bring the juice. That was their motto. Um, they didn't bring a lot that night, but um, I know Zay slept on my shoulder pretty much the whole way home. So, I mean, he deserved it because um, he played a heck of a game. But, yeah, started in Southeast Bullock and then um, not sure a lot of us expected to be Callaway. Um, they were a great team, a bunch of D1 guys. Um, just kind of pulled it out. My brother had a great game that game, actually. So um, that kind of launched us in the, into this, in the quarterfinals, I guess. And then took care of business fine in the quarterfinals. Um, but I think the the biggest game of the playoffs was probably that that semifinal game against Cedar Grove. Um, I mean, I could I couldn't even count on both my hands how many D one I mean D one offers guys that had D one offers on that team. Um, I remember the three hundred thirty pound offensive lineman doing a cartwheel out of their tunnel, um, and just thinking, what are, what are we doing here? <laughs> it was it was freezing cold. Uh, so actually, the Penn State coaches were there. So a little extra pressure for me, um, having not even signed yet. Um, obviously, they probably were going to pull my pull my offer, but um, and then we started the game. I remember the, the the first three plays of the game. I remember almost perfectly, and I think Zay got decapitated like twice. Um, so obviously, we're punting after that, and then the fake punt, um, rip off like a forty yard carry, Harrison Jones, and that kind of springboarded us, kind of gave us confidence the rest of the game. Um, I think we really controlled field position, which, which was really, really huge. Um, I remember Zay had a punt return to like their five-yard line, um, which obviously gave our offense a great opportunity to score. Um, and obviously that, that led to the state championship, which is, which is, like you said, probably one of my fondest memories. So before uh, we kind of get to that uh, state championship, there are some plays uh, from your senior year or from your junior year that we got to kind of get a get get your take on. So first, the the week before Cedar Grove, Adairsville school record fifty six yard field goal. You know, what are your thoughts going out to attempt that field goal, and you know your reaction when you saw it go through the uprights? Yeah, I'll, I'll start it by um, I'll preface this statement. I think going into the playoffs, I was like seven for 16 on field goals, which I don't, you don't need me a bath petition, but that's not very good. Um, but I think the start of the playoffs, actually, I made a couple. Um, I think it was like four for four at that point in the playoffs on field goals. So I went out there with, with a lot of confidence. And um, a lot of people don't remember this, but it started off as a 51-yard field goal. Um, a Daresville called a timeout to ice me going into halftime. And then, so I, I, I took, I basically took a practice kick, missed wide left by, by a ton. Um, so then line up for the second try from 51 after the timeout. Um, and our left wing, Andy Capper, false started. So once, and what I tell the snapper is once he blows the whistle, you snap it so I can take another practice kick, right? Missed that one wide left too. So the confidence kind of started kind of started dwindling away, I guess. So I moved back to 56, but um, I can see, you can see on the video of the game, I, I kind of looked to the sideline and, and told, the, 
told coach to keep the offense off the field um, because I had 100% confidence I was going to make that kick. Um, I mean, it was a great snap, Peter Rooney, uh, great hold by Keller, um, probably, probably still the best holder um, I've ever seen, better than me, um, Keller Harper. So give him a nice shout out here. Um, but yeah, to see it hit the back stanchion was, was pretty nerve wracking because I'm not sure if it hit the crossbar or not. Um, but, but yeah, it was a great feeling celebrating with the guys and, um, obviously we were, we were up by a ton by that point. I think it was like 31 to seven, but, but just be able to have that and, and have the field goal record over Harrison Bucker, which is, which is something he can never get back. <laughs> so the year before you guys are playing Calhoun in the playoffs and before we hit on a big time onside kick, you, you're playing Calhoun coach Sterniel described it as you guys weren't going to win the game, but you're just trying to do an onside kick. Coach Sterniola Coach swears this is the only time he's seen a negative onside <laughs> kick. And you kicked the ball backwards, a net loss of 17 yards. So how, how does that happen? What, what, like, what went into that kick? Yeah, this took a turn for the worse. Um, yeah, so basically there's two ways to do an onside kick. So basically you can either lay it on the ground almost and run up straight on and kick it with your toe, or you can kick it like a field goal from the side. Um, so I was, I was kind of playing around with it my junior year, not really sure what I was going to do. So I ended up doing the one where you kick it straight on with your toe. And unfortunately, like big moment, I kind of kicked it with the outside of my foot. So it put this like that, this right hand spin on the ball and it ended up going about five yards and then just took a direct turn right and rolled about, what do you say? 17 yards behind me. Mm-hmm. That might, that might be one of my most embarrassing sports moments of all time. Um, but luckily, I got to redeem myself um, in the Georgia Dome. So that onside kick worked out. And I think it was like a net gain of 60 yards. So um, <laughs> I, I, I kind of I cut my losses there and, and learned from it and changed my form. And that, that never happened again, thankfully. And speaking of the Georgia Dome, and now we're going to move into the state championship, Coach Derniolo was on the record telling us that we would not have won that game without Blake. And you had three punts that averaged 61.7 yards per punt. You had a 32-yarder, a 21-yarder, and a 52-yarder field goal. And then you had six kickoffs all for touchbacks. Do you think that was the best uh, game you've ever kicked in your life? Yeah, hands down. Um, I think it's, for any specialist, it's the easiest playing in a dome because there's no wind, there's no weather, there's nothing. So um, you go into the game with 100% confidence in yourself. I actually went down to the Dome on Thursday before the state championship with Sterno. I rode in this car. I'm not sure if it was legal or not, um, but I'll say it now. Uh, <laughs> me and him rode down because he has connections with the Falcons because he's their – he was – I think he might still he be is. a set. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so we had connections, and we were – we got on the field – um half the field was like the the molds for the end zones for all the bowl games that are being played there so like I'm not sure how we even got allowed on the field but we we were out there um so yeah it, it was nice being able to have kind of have that um familiarity with the the surroundings because the first time you walk in there you look up and it's like a it's the biggest thing you ever seen um so just your adrenaline's pumping and all that stuff and um I'm just thankful I didn't shank anything in the state championship, um, to be honest with you, because my heart was racing every time I went out, went out there. And um, 
I mean, none of us had ever played in a venue like that, um, historic and all the fans and kind of the just the drama of the day. Um, so I, I'm grateful for for all, all the coaching that um, and all the preparation I, I had going into that. And um, obviously was able to help the team out as best I could. So you guys lost to Blessed Trinity earlier in that 2015 season. So what was the mindset going into a game? Blessed Trinity, the heavy favorites, they had beaten you guys already. What was the mindset like? Yeah, I'm not sure there was ever like any good blood between us and Blessed Trinity. Um, it was it was kind of, I, would, I wouldn't call it a rivalry, but it was just not good blood. So, um, I mean, I think we went into it knowing that, that we could beat them. It, it wasn't going to come easy. Um, Obviously, we had some things go our way, but um, losing at home to a team that you face in the state championship isn't obviously isn't ideal. But I think we we probably rather play them than Calhoun. Uh, I think I want to say they beat them. They beat Calhoun in the semifinals in a slug in a slugfest, um, like things like twelve to ten or something. Um, so I think we were pretty thankful that we weren't playing Calhoun again for the second straight year. Um, but it would have been a lot different not playing up at Calhoun with the lights going out and all this crap. So, um, <laughs> it, it's a long story short, it's, um, I think playing Blessed Trinity early in the year is, was good for us and our confidence and, um, kind of gave our coaches a tell on what they were going to do. And obviously being down big at one point, 24 to nine. How was the team reacting? How did you guys sort of mesh together, come onto the field and stage the epic combat that we all witnessed? Yeah, I think it's it's what kind of we were doing all year, uh, especially in those last seven games we're on the road. Um, just just not losing not, not losing faith in each other. Uh, I think at one point, I'm going to say it's not 100% true because um, at one point I think my brother was on the sideline and was just like, yeah, we're probably not going to win this game. So not everybody was had had supreme confidence in, in the fact we'd get it done. But obviously going into the fourth quarter, being down, I don't know, 15 points, I think, 14 points. Um, I know I know there's people who left the stadium. And um, we just kept fighting, kept grinding, um, had some things go our way. You know, um, if you look at the film, of the onside kick, there's really no reason why we should have gotten the ball. Um, but it just kind of ended up that way. And. Um, we capitalized on, on all their mistakes and um, took advantage of every opportunity we got. So going to that onside kick, uh, you know, Watson Jackson, like the career play, falling on the ball. There's just this big dog pile. There's like 30 seconds of suspense. No one knows what's going on. When did you realize that Westminster might actually have the football? You know, yeah. Um, I think I actually like walked to the sideline. Cause I was like, oh, they got the ball. Like, this is over. Um, but I think, I think it was Will Dameron who stood up out of the pile and like started jumping with his arm in the air. And I was like, there's, there's no way he got the ball. Um, I think it wasn't until like after, well after, and I watched the replay of the game that I actually figured out how he actually got it. Um, Watson was like the last guy in the pile. And I think – I want to say it was Chase Williams who was, was the guy who dove on it first. And, and Watson, like, somehow wrestled away from Chase, which is pretty incredible because, like, there were eight guys on the ground and the guy who jumps in last gets the ball. Um, but, yeah, all-time career play for him. Um, really, really a legendary play for sure. <laughs>
And after Watson fell on the ball, you guys still had to score. Zay Malcolm ran it down the field and, and put sits on the board. But correct me if I'm wrong, you had to go out and nail that PAT. What's the pressure like when you have to go out there and tie the game up after staging such an incredible comeback and force it into overtime? Yeah, I think at one point me and my brother watched the game together. Um, a couple years later, probably. Um, we were in college. And we were watching that, the, the exact extra point you're talking about. And he was like, if you had missed this extra point, I probably would never have talked to you again. Um, I don't think I missed an extra point all year, but, but that, would have been a, that would have been a heck of a time to miss one. Um, so <laughs> just, just really glad that I think um, my get-off time kind of sped up a little bit than I want it blocked. Um, I don't think I struck it the best, but, but if it goes through, it goes through. Um, point's a point. So going before the game a little bit, uh, I was in eighth grade at the time, and I think, Riley, you were in sixth grade, right? And that was the most spirited I've ever seen Westminster about a, a sporting event. So coming from the player side, you guys getting police escorted to the Dome with all the Westminster community there cheering you on at, at the back tennis courts. I mean, what was that whole experience like with the, with the pep rally and the, and the flags and everyone waving? I mean, I, that was surreal for me, but what was it like for you? Yeah, sur surreal really is the – that, that's the right word for it. Um, just seeing the outpouring of support um, throughout that day, and obviously culminating it in the in the late evening with the with the win was really awesome. Mm -hmm. I think the coolest thing was the police escort. I'd never had one of those before. <laughs> and um, in college, you kind of get it's it, it's kind of like a commonplace because everywhere you go is with the police escort. Um, but kind of being in high school and being in that position was was it was pretty weird to be honest with you because like cars were getting out of the way of the police cars and you were like flying by in the HOV lane and um it was just pretty odd and you kind of feel like the the big man on campus when you're flying by with the police escort but I guess that that's what you got to do to get to the George Dome for your big day um but yeah just just seeing the Westminster community come together from from the pre-firsters to to the seniors um, for the pep rally and then, then lining the, the street towards the gate um, was, was, is a scene I'll never forget, just looking out the bus window. Um, and then it, it, it kind of switched – it kind of – you got – God, I can't speak right now, but um, you kind of got to flip a switch once you, once you leave that area and you see all those people, you kind of got to lock in. So, And then um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but we've had, we had some bus trouble um not only that year but the year before getting to games in the playoffs so um, we were just praying that nothing else happened to to kind of postpone the inevitable and um, get to the Georgia Dome on time so now transitioning to your time at Penn State uh, so you played pretty much Im immediately so uh, can you tell me your coach, James Franklin, one of the most colorful coaches in college football, one of the most well-known coaches, what is it like playing for him and also being a captain on a team with him as the coach this year? Yeah, I think um, colorful is the right word. Uh, he's obviously has a big personality. And I'd say the one thing about Coach Franklin is he, he truly cares about the players and his players, and he, he really treats them like his sons. Um, and I think kind of the family atmosphere was, was what drew me to Penn State was really similar to what we had at Westminster. And the, the, fact, the fact about Coach Franklin is he really cares about not only the players, but the players' families as well. So um, whenever you see my mom, he gave her a big hug 
loves my mom. Um, the same way with a lot of the players' families. So um, just kind of really created that atmosphere that that draws you draws you together in the locker room and um, really special to be a captain, just being able to interact with him um, almost daily and, and kind of get feedback from him as well um, about he, what he'd like to see on the team and, and provide him with, with whatever I, I thought would, um, you know, help our team win and help us be successful. So um, playing for a man like that and then the many coordinators I had um, really helped me get through college and, and grow as a man as well. And speaking of uh, family, your brother Tyler was a long snapper for Northwestern while you were a punter at Penn State. So you had a few matchups with him. What was the experience like when, when your family all got together and you got to play against Tyler at Northwestern? Yeah, it, 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 honestly, it sucked because we only played once because um, we were on different sides of different divisions, I guess. And so we played one time my sophomore year um, in Evanston at Northwestern. And yeah, that was, that, that's probably one of the days of my life I'll remember um, pretty vividly. Um, just, just being able to share the field with him, seeing him succeed, um, all the hard work he put in. Um, I want to say that was his first year as a starter. So just kind of being there to experience that was great. Um, he had a great game and um, obviously it was great to get the win, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I remember the win in, in 20 years I'll remember just spending time with, with him and my family um, before the game, after the game, um, and just being able to share that experience with, with a brother. And a lot of people can't say they've been able to do that. And Blake, what was uh, y'all's relationship like? How did you guys motivate each other going through Westminster and then on to college ball? Yeah, we, we were super competitive like our entire life. And um, not only on the field, but also in the classroom, um, we compete for test scores and, and grades and SAT, ACT, you name it. Um, we were competing at it. So um, that really pushed both of us to, to kind of be the best version of ourselves. Um, my, my dad always told us that um, it, it's never okay to, to root against your twin brother. So um, it, it was always really special to see him succeed. Uh, and, and he's still doing it. He's still got a year to play. Um, starting med school in the fall, so um, I, I'm not sure the the last person to to start med school and still keep playing football at the same time um, in college. But I'm really proud of what he's doing, um, the man he's become, and it's been great to kind of spend time with him over the last couple of weeks. And Jack mentioned earlier that you were named a captain for your senior season at a at Penn State. What was that feeling like when you finally got to to be named a captain in a and especially as a punter, a special teams guy, to be a captain, how, how, did, that, uh, how did that make you feel? Yeah, just, just being a captain at a program like Penn State um, is a huge honor, and that's kind of how I approached it. And um, my first couple of years at Penn State, I, I really wanted to gain respect of the guys through, through how I worked, how I handled myself um, in the classroom, on the field, um, in the community. So um, when it came time, um, later in my career that, that people felt confident um, f to have me as a captain. And um, I think that what I said earlier, just it, it was it was an honor and, and something I'll cherish for the rest of my life, um, being able to lead guys and, and walk out there for, for coin tosses and um, kind of be kind of be the, the leaders of the program and um, the connection between the, the players and the coaches. And um, 
yeah, just, just really thankful to be in that position, um, both my junior and senior year. But um, there, there's guys that, that I was captain with that, that I'll have that relationship with for the rest of my life. And um, that's really special about college football is, is the relationships you get to kind of get to form and, and see, see grow and obviously continue for, for many years to come. So, Blake, can you, uh, can you tell us what lessons and, and what, how Penn State helped you, uh, you know, up to this point in your professional career? You mentioned how important, like, the culture and the family was at Penn State. And what, what values did Penn State give you that are going to help you in your professional career? Yeah, I think um, – I know it's – a lot of guys at Penn State think it's corny, but, but we, have, we have four core values, um, and they're on the wall. They're, they're branded everywhere in our, our facility. The, the first core value is positive attitude. Um, the second one's great work ethic. Um, the third is compete in everything you do. And the fourth is must be willing to sacrifice. So, so those four things are really what you need to, need to do to, to, to be successful at anything in life. And um, that's how it's really preached to us at Penn State. Um, if you don't show up to anything with a positive attitude, um, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage because um, your attitude and a lot of things is everything. Um, so. And then obviously moving on, your work ethic is, is what determines how, what you're going to get out of whatever you're doing. Um, the third one, compete in everything you do, which is taken very seriously of a Penn State. So um, in the classroom is a big deal. Um, competing with, in everything you do includes um, service in the community, not just on the field. Um, and the fourth one really is the, is the capstone of the four, um, which is sacrifice because if you're not willing to sacrifice at all, um, if you're going about things and you only have yourself in mind, then nothing's going to get done for the team. And in reality, football is a team sport, just like a lot of things in life. And um, I think just playing football in college and having that experience will really help me um, with, with people and with interactions for the rest of my life. And Blake, you obviously have to exemplify those traits being in a leadership position like captain for the Lions. How did your parents and coaches sort of shape you as a leader growing up and becoming a captain at Penn State? Yeah, my, my parents, um, I probably don't thank them enough for everything they did for me. Um, I mean, they, they really just taught me everything I knew to that point and um, combined with, with coaches I had at Westminster. I mean, I remember coach jones back in eighth grade um people were terrified of coach jones i mean um Still people loved seventh, seventh grade football was great until you got to eighth grade and then coach jones was there um but coach jones is honestly probably one of the best coaches i ever had um i still remember his favorite bible quote was galatians 6 7 through 8 which basically said you reap what you sow um and that really connected with me especially um, with the core values of Penn State, because um, if you don't know what that means, it basically means um, whatever you put in, you're going to get out. So just like basically a farmer. Um, so if you water the seed, you plant the seed, you water the seed, you nurture the seed, um, someone's going to grow from it. And um, that kind of taught me that that work ethic was, was paramount in anything you did, um, especially at a school like Westminster where, um, academics were tough, a lot, lot, sports were tough, you're competing for jobs. Um, so that kind of stuck with me throughout my career. And um, then obviously have, have all good things to say about my other coaches 
um, throughout throughout my time at Westminster. Um, Coach Romberg was always there for me and, and continues to be there for me. Um, love going back to see him. Coach Wild, um, Coach Malloy, Coach Snyder. The list kind of goes on and on. And um, just really thankful to, to have attended a, a school like Westminster. Uh, and that's kind of led me to where I am today. And so before we uh... – kind of wrap things up here so you obviously were a, a big student in the classroom big 10 honor rolls academic all-american how did Westminster and the teachers at Westminster help shape you to become a not only just a great athlete in college but a great student as well yeah it's it's pretty incredible um coming from Westminster it just put me at, a, at such an advantage um when I entered a college classroom I think the biggest thing for me is um how few, how few people really know how to write well. And that's really what Westminster taught me through, English wasn't my favorite subject. Um, I, was, I was really more of a math and science person, so that's really what I enjoyed. Um, but the English department really prepared me for being able to write, effect, uh, write effectively, communicate effectively, um, and ultimately that's kind of how you're successful in college. I think if, if you're not able to communicate, not, not able to communicate with your classmates, um, and ultimately your teammates on the field, off the field, um, it makes it really difficult to be successful. So I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that Westminster did for me. Um, and just really, really everything. It's kind of hard to pick things out. Um, the whole experience from, from athletics to academics and um, emphasizing community service. Um, and Jan term was really special for me because um, – Obviously, I, I was pretty new to it when, when it came out. I think it came out my junior year, I want to say. So you guys are, are pretty lucky with that. Um, but, yeah, Jan terms are a really special thing that a lot of guys, a lot of people around the country and guys that I played with don't get that opportunity. Um, kind of taking an intensive course for a couple of weeks and taking a break from school um, kind of prepared me for different courses, different layouts that, that got thrown on me at, at, at Penn State. So um, really the whole experience was really just great for me to, to kind of jump, jump start my college career. And um, I'll, I'll be forever thankful for everyone I met at, at Westminster and continue a lot of those relationships on today. So you talked about a lot of your coaches at Westminster that were really impactful. Do you have a, a few favorite teachers in mind that, that you think really taught you a lot or you really liked at Westminster? Man, Coach Searle was my dog at, at Westminster. Um, <laughs> I see him smiling there. Um, yeah, um, I'd probably say one of my favorite teachers at Westminster was um, I don't know if I don't know if she's a doctor or not. So I don't want to say she's not a doctor. She's a doctor, but I think I think her name was Miss. Her name was Miss Merchant. Um, and don't ask me to say her first name because I can never pronounce it. So Miss Merchant was my BC calculus teacher which was like the most intimidating class of all time. Um, so I, I, there's like a bunch of choices for math your senior year. And I decided to take BC calculus for God, God knows what reason. And she really helped me a lot in that class. And um, it was, it was like probably the most grueling class I've ever taken. And ultimately she told us at the end of the year, she wasn't, she was giving us harder problems in the, the BC calculus AP exam was going to give us um and she was basically like if you don't get a five on the ap exam then i failed you um so i i i went throughout the semester really struggling and 
um, trying to do my best and ultimately got a five on the AP exam um, despite like leaving two questions blank. I don't know how that happened, but um, she was always just kind of a joy to be around bottom of Campbell. Um, and <laughs> whenever there's a, there's like a security question on whatever, she's like my favorite teacher. So um, just like to give her a shout out and, you know, had great experience with a lot of teachers in, in my, at my days in Westminster. And, um, you know, it, it's great to kind of have relationships like that in high school because that, that's what it takes to be successful in college. Um, if, you, if you don't have a relationship with your professors and um, you don't have an open line of communication, then it, it's sometimes hard to, um, to be successful. So, um, yeah, that was, that was really meaningful throughout my time um, back in high school. And Blake, it's been fun to have you on and look back and relive some of these Westminster memories. But looking ahead to the future, what does that look like for you? And what are your hopes heading forward before we close out? Yeah, I just um, basically I wanted a shot and I got a shot, um, which is great. So um, going to New Orleans against um, a veteran who's getting paid a lot of money. And um, who knows what that, what that has in the store. I'm just really looking forward to add value to the to the organization any way that I can. And um, if I can obviously make the Saints, that'd be awesome. But um, Harrison's first stop wasn't, wasn't his last stop either. So um, he, was a, he was in a great competition with, with Graham Gano and the, the Panthers and um, probably was neck and neck with him. And they just decided to keep on the practice squad and then boom, sign him to the, sign him to the Chiefs and um, – kind of the rest is history getting paid $5 million a year now. So um, it's, it's pretty special for, for, for our position and the pass that, that you sometimes have to take to make it in the league. Um, but I'm just looking forward to, to starting out on the right foot and seeing what happens. All right, Blake. Well, that's all we have uh, for you today. We want to say thank you for joining us. And once again, congratulations on now being the second active player in the NFL and the uh, second active player in the NFL from the kicker U tradition at Westminster. <laughs> Yeah, kicker you. Shout out. We still I punted with one on today. We still got it going. Wesselman or Baquetta? Wesselman. Yeah, I see him all the time. So, yeah, we're going to go quick off track here. Just one last question. So, obviously, the kickers today, Alex Baquetta, Connor Wesselman, yeah. uh, it goes very deep. So, can you talk about you coming back and working with some of the kickers and punters and your relationship with them right now? Yeah, I mean, I talk to, I talk to Connor probably every week. Um, obviously he's getting down to the time where, um, trying to, trying to get a college look and, uh, that's kind of where you're at going into your senior year. So just trying to help him out as best I can. Um, I don't know everything in the world, but if I can help him out, um, with one thing every day that I work with him, um, I consider that a victory. So, um, just really excited to see, um, where those guys kind of head. I know, um, there's a lot. I mean, we got guys in college now, Charlie, um, Alex out at Stanford, um, then a bunch of good kids in high school. So um, just really excited to see kind of the kicker you tradition grow, uh, which has been awesome kind of sitting back from it. It kind of started when I was in high school. Um, we kind of we kind of coined that phrase my senior year and it kind of stuck, which is awesome. And um you know, those, those guys really have an opportunity to, to be in the same position I was, Harrison was, um, and now Charlie and Alex um, with the, prepar the preparation they've put in. And then um, just Coach Sterniolo pushed them to be the best players that they can be. 
Um, so I'm really excited for those guys. Um, I, I let them know that, that whenever they have any questions or they need anything, that, that my phone's always um, – I always I got my phone around me all the time. So um, I'll be on a phone call um, or a text message or anything. I'm just, just really looking forward to supporting those guys through their careers. And I know Harrison's doing the same and as well as some of the guys in college right now. Speaking of right. Harrison, I'm sure you were rooting for the Chiefs in that Super Bowl. 100%. <laughs> All right, Blake, thank you for joining us. This has been Blake Gillikin, class of 2016, a state champion kicker and punter for the Westminster Wildcats. And after a great four-year career at Penn State, he is now a member of the New Orleans Saints. Blake, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. And we will see you guys soon on episode three of WCAT Chats. We're going to have a great episode. I mean, it's going to be hard to top Blake Gillikin, but we'll at least try. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time.